Whoa, whoa, whoa. Kirk Caceres is here? You mean the guy that's been in Sons of Anarchy, Tagged, Ghost Whisperer, Prison Break, The Shield, Bones, Dexter, Days of Our Lives, The Bold and the Beautiful, General Hospital, All My Children, Murder in the Woods, World Trade Center, Beneath, In Sanitarium, and Save the Last Dance? Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we could talk about movies, music, the same old nostalgic crap that we talk about. Let's see what makes him nostalgic. This show contains badass material and foul language. Some people may find offensive. What else did you expect? How's it going, everybody? This is Chewie. And this is Monica. And we are from the podcast titled Exploring the Myths Behind the Legends. <laughs> Where we talk about stuff like horror films, shows, and folk legends. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podchaser. Like us and give us a review. I'm Lisa. And I'm Agnes. And together, we are Sass and Sips, a watch, rewatch podcast. We want to personally invite you to check out our podcast, where we'll be discussing TV shows from two perspectives. One who has seen the show before. And one who's not so sure. While we drink a lot. <laughs> I mean, like a lot, a lot. <laughs> Every season, we will focus on a new show. And for our first season, we have chosen the iconic show, Lost. We hope that you will come over and check us out. We can be found on your favorite podcast platform or at sassandsips.com. If you're down for drinks, friends, and television, then make sure you listen and subscribe. Because we're down for all of it. Yes. So listen with your bestie, open your favorite bottle, and sip and sass with Sass and Sips. You're on the east, which is crazy. I've actually never talked to somebody in Nova Scotia. Okay. That is like off of Canada, like on an island. <laughs> Feels like it. Um, I, I, I guess the, the technical term is a peninsula. Uh, it's a connected peninsula. island, as it were. Um, uh-huh. But it's a, it's a part of the Atlantic provinces. So we don't have states, yeah. we have provinces. So how close are you to then Toronto and Montreal? Like, um, like Montreal's probably, I don't know. Let's say, let's call it ten hour drive. Okay, so that's the closest major city. Yeah, definitely. Major, like, okay. definitely. Yeah, yeah. My ex is from there, from Montreal. Okay, I'm sorry for you. Yeah, yeah, but that's my close connection. Worked in Toronto many times. <laughs> did a bunch of TV because there's a lot of a lot of TV shows. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Used to shoot in Toronto, not as much, but I used to work there a lot. I like Canada. You may be familiar with Nova Scotia indirectly, though. Trailer Park Boys. Oh, really? They're homegrown Trailer talent, Park baby. <laughs> those are our those are our boys. <laughs> this thing's already taken effect. What is this? <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's because it's craft beer. Uh, this You're not is, drinking Newcastle is, like this. It's called Neon Friday. <laughs> it's called. It's a. And it's only. This is a. This is a Canadian craft beer. At that, I'll. I'll take a sidebar here. And it's only Tuesday. That definitely feels like a Tuesday. 
<laughs> it's uh, yeah, no, this is this is great. This is from uh, this is from an actual island close to us called PEI, Prince Edward Island. That's kind of in between us and New Brunswick. So it goes Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, then Quebec. I just love those names. Yes. New Brunswick, Nova Scotia. Oh, there's a there's Quebec. a there's a town here in Nova Scotia called Muscadabit. Muscadade? Nope. Muscadabit. It's like Oh, like, Muscadabit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Try and spell it. Nobody knows. N- no. Tadamagush. <laughs> no. Tadamagush. Do we know that? No. Um, no. I <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't even try to butcher it. No. No. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. So you guys get craft beer, so you guys have a lot of craft... Is there, like, oh, a big craft beer culture huge there? Huge scene, man. Wow, that's awesome. No, I love... Yeah, because my brother owns a, a brewery cool. in San Francisco, oh, yeah. and he's always teaching me, well, this one, because the hop's this, and this one, no this, and blah, blah, blah. And what's, a, what's, it's a science. what's a brewery? It's called uh, Social Kitchen and Brewery. Cool. So it's actually a brewery connected to a restaurant, and they actually use the beer... Yep. In the recipes for the food, it's amazing. Beautiful, it's pretty cool. Is that so? Is Social Kitchen also the name of the craft beer itself? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the yeah, it is. Yeah. Social Kitchen brand too. Yeah. Nice. And 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 they have it at bars. I'll walk into bars sometimes and see the tap on the wall and be like, "There it is." So it's out there. That's awesome. I don't know if it's in Nova Scotia, but no. But but <laughs> honestly, we've got we've got a couple of uh, just the way that the government regulates liquor sales. Like you can't go into Walmart here and buy booze. That just doesn't happen. Here. Yeah. So you go to the liquor store, or there's a couple of private um, owned liquor stores that deal with more more variety in terms of imports, and yeah. they specialize in more craft breweries than they do any sort of domestic. So um, there's a I've had a couple of California beers. Uh, God, Anchor Steam. That's the one. Oh, that was awful. Lagunitas. Okay, so the Lagunitas IPA yes. used to be good like years ago until like the craft brewer beer thing became bigger. You are so such a hipster. Lagunitas is one of the early ones. And Lagunitas, I still like it. Actually, <laughs> I think I have it in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I grabbed the Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. Lagunitas, I still like. It's a safe IPA. Mm. Anchor Steam. Ugh. Ugh. Hey, listen. Sorry just, if anyone's listening. I was just, I was just trying. I was just trying to. I was just trying to relate. I guess I'll just end the call now. Thanks so much. Have a good night. Yeah. You're a beer connoisseur. You probably wouldn't even like Angostura. It's all good, man. There's so many great varieties of beer out there at this point. Like, for you to find a bad one, you actually had to try at that point, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You had to avoid really good ones to get a bad one. Uh, there's just True. so many varieties. Like this one that I'm drinking is maybe it's only 5.2 percent, but it's got the hoppiness of something that's in the eights. Like, it's incredible. And then after that, but, but I love that. I love that it's like a, it's a. You gotta be there. You go. I love that you gotta be a connoisseur. Like yeah. you can't, you don't just drink beer to get drunk. You drink beer because you like the taste. Well, this is the same That's with important. coffee. Yeah. You, oh, absolutely. You don't. You don't go coffee. Yeah. You, you don't go to like some shitty coffee place for a black coffee. No wonder people put cream and sugar in it. Yeah. You don't just want to get your, you know, your high from a coffee. No. You want it to taste good. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. As if Kurt wasn't busy already, he also hosts two podcasts. What's Your Name Again podcast with Kurt Caceres features a variety of guests overcoming obstacles and true life stories. And the Quarantine Roll Call podcast. Kurt Caceres and Travis Aaron Wade express their opinions, discuss scientific facts, and share excerpts from the news media 
to help guide us in tackling simple everyday tasks and forecasting the future of our new lifestyle. Welcome back to the Nostalgia Junk Podcast. Here is Kirk Caceres. Still an actor, been working for 20 years on everything from Sons of Anarchy to Prison Break to everything, man. So yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, the pleasure is all ours. I mean, when I looked at your repertoire of what you've accomplished, really, really amazed by your ability to get yourself into already established series. Dude, I feel so, dude, I'm thankful every day for it, man. It's like, definitely, dude, it took a lot of hard work. I mean, I, when, I, when I moved to LA, it took a lot of hard work. That's all I focused on. Yeah. So a lot of it was hard work, but talent too. The talent's there. I could say that I'm good at what I do, but dude, it took, it's, it, I didn't just show up and just got handed to me. Sure. So, but I feel very thankful that it did because ever, so many people dream about coming to LA and Hollywood and, being, and doing what I've done. So I yeah. feel very thankful that I have. And like you said, on big shows, I've yeah. worked on some big shows have been out with biggest yeah. directors and actors. and Definitely. And it's, I'm freaking very thankful for it, man. I can, and, all of those, and all those things right there. I mean, you're working alongside people you probably looked up to. Yeah, yeah. No, it's happened many times like where all of a sudden they're like, oh, you got cast in this and you're working opposite, blah, blah. I'm like, That's, so I grew up watching that person. All of a sudden now I'm going to be... But it changed, though, because then all of a sudden they became my coworker and my peer, right. and I wasn't starstruck anymore. And it all of a sudden became, wow, I get to yeah. go toe-to-toe with this person instead of looking up to them. It yeah. became more like an honor. Like, I get to share a scene with this person. Yeah, so that's, that's where it changed. It, like, the starstruck went away, and then they became one of my peers, and that that's changed incredible. the dynamic. That's incredible. Were you nostalgic for these series? that you got involved with? Like, were you nostalgic for General Hospital or? Oh, that's a great question. I like that quite. That's a really good question. Um, you know, wow, that's a really good question. The funny thing is most of the shows that I've done, I got in early enough on them to where either it was their first season or maybe two. So there wasn't nostalgia that built up yet. But there are some, for example, here's a good one. It's, this is going way back. Mm. It's going to age me. But there, there was a few, two shows. There was one called NYPD Blue. Nice. And then there was one called ER. Those, I think, were already on before I even made it to Hollywood. Nice. So I was already watching those year after year. And then all of a sudden, got on these shows. And that's where that nostalgia came from. But also the other nostalgia comes from working with actors who you'd seen for years. And all of a sudden, I'm working opposite them. Yeah. Um, so, for example, remember the show Saved by the Bell? Oh. Do you remember that show? Yeah, totally do. <laughs> On NYPD Blue, it's the first time I worked with, uh, with uh, Mark Paul Gosseler, mm-hmm. who played Zach. And in the episode, he beats me up, and we have a bunch of scenes together. And I'm thinking to this, I'm like, I'm working with this dude as an adult, but I remember when I was younger <laughs> watching you on TV, <laughs> this little snotty-nosed kid in high school... He was, stunning. and then come to find out years later, I do this other show called Murder in the First, okay, um, which was on TNT, and he was he directed me in an episode. Really? Yeah, it was. It comes full circle, man. It's a small town, small world. Everyone works together. But yeah, that's a great question. I love it. I'm obsessed with how we become so obsessed with our own nostalgia. You and I will have different nostalgia because of just by well geographic placement and age. But yeah. we are attached to very, very specific moments in our own lives. We all have these cornerstones in our lives where we can reflect on 
and we'll never forget them. And we can relive those moments like a trigger, like just instantly. Dude, that's powerful. That's powerful. Sometimes I feel I'm too nostalgic. Like I get really emotional. I don't, I don't, I don't hold back. Like I'll cry over sometimes things from anything that's nostalgia brings back. It doesn't even have to be a song. It could be a location. All of a sudden I show up at some place and I remember, damn, I was here with this woman that I loved yeah. 10 years ago. You know, totally. nostalgia is power, man. It's it power. And when you least expect it, it's, it, it, it could be auditory from music, visual from a movie, from a location. A smell. Smell, smells. Oh, oh yeah, smells one of the most powerful. Like your grandmother's cooking. They could be completely <laughs> different people, but when you say your grandmother's cooking, it takes you way back. To like that Sunday but I got a supper. question. Yeah. Do you, what do you think? Does nostalgia work in reverse though? Like you're like bad man. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, it took me a long time to eat pork chops cause they were so dry when I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I didn't know they could be and juicy so- and flavorful. And then someone finally made them juicy. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't scorch the shit out of them and taste like boot leather. <laughs> God forbid there be ever a traumatic event that happened to someone during a specific song, and then that song would be that trigger. Um, I, I can't think of any offhand other than maybe like Helter Skelter being used by Charles Manson. You know, like that was, it was like there was a comedian that made a reference to that. He's like, why didn't he choose a song like Yellow Submarine? I died to never hear Yellow Submarine again yeah, for the rest of my imagine? life. Yeah. Or Barry Manilow. Yeah, anything. Or, you know, in the 80s when uh, Tipper Gore and the PMRC, they cracked down on the filthy 15 of artists like Motley Crue, Prince, um, yeah. a- any of the lewd music. On that list is John Denver. What? Rocky Mountain High is about getting high. Oh, my gosh. I, You know what? I never even thought of that or even knew that and i am just floored right and, now and d snyder from twisted sister said it best mm-hmm. she wanted to find it and she found it <laughs> he said See, he said on the he said right in front of al gore tipper the entire board it's not my fault she has a dirty mind because she was looking for it and she found it yeah leave it to the dirty mind to find it because no one else would have even paid attention nobody cared at all that that shows a lot about her are you a closet General Hospital fan? Because I've heard you name it a few times. No, no, I'm not. And and it's just, but you know what I'm, I'm obsessed about is, is how long these series have been going for. So, oh, that's funny that you say that. So I had uh, one of the guests on my show, on one of my shows. She is literally still the longest. She's on Bold and the Beautiful. Her name's Catherine Kelly Lang. Mm-hmm. And she is literally now the longest tenured soap actor in the history of TV, she's done more TV episodes than any actor of anything. She's Jeez. done, she's still on. She's one of the original cast members of Bold and the Beautiful. Crazy. And she's not that old. She's like, I guess, 60, but she looks amazing still. Sure. Still going. And it makes you realize, damn, that person, she's been doing the same job for 40 something years. Definitely. That is insane. That's yeah. crazy. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, these shows, they keep going. And sometimes, like, the, these shows, you think they're going to die, and they come right back. It's like a freaking slasher movie. You kill yeah. it, and it comes right back. It's up again. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's un- unkillable. There's someone there to watch it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. You know, and, and to that point, she has been 
on TV throughout various generations of family members. Yeah. You know, someone's grandmother watched that show when they were her age. That's so true. Right? And now they're watching it with them because they grew up watching it alongside their grandmother because, as we all know, like, you can't interrupt their program time if it's on. That's a great point. So, like, there's, like, young people today who can literally talk to their grandma and say, hey, I'm watching General Hospital. And the grandma can say, oh, what's so-and-so doing these days on that show? Like, dude, that's multiple generations who have something in common. And it's nostalgic. Like, you know, you know, uh, Coronation Street? I've heard the name. What is that? So it's like this British soap, essentially. Okay. And okay. it's huge here in Canada. Oh, is it? Like, my grandparents watched it, and God love them. But, like, they're from an era that when, you know, the first gay person was on the show, they're like, mm, I don't know if this show's for me anymore. <laughs> oh, so it's been around a while. So the show became kind of too contemporary for them and, and hit more modern topics that they weren't able to grasp. I'm sure I'm sure if it's still going, there's probably same gender relationships, maybe transgender. And, and our grandparents would fall over themselves if that happened. Honestly, I mean, that's a whole nother time period. Honestly, it's crazy. Yeah. So this was created in 1960. Wow. On February 7th, 2020. It aired its 10,000th episode. Holy cow. Yeah, man. I think that's time. They should have just stopped. Like, how many more are you <laughs> going to have? At 10,000. That's when you stop. What's crazy is that there's still people watching it. Like, I, I just think people are different. Like, people our age, your age, my age, and below. Like, I don't know how you keep those people's attention. I just couldn't, couldn't do it. Well, see, and that's it. That's it. They're not trying to keep their attention. They're trying to move with the times, right? So, yes, yeah. it was probably something as harmless as uh, interracial couple. And then yeah. it was same-sex couple. And then it's just like this is how they can move these pockets along. Yeah, that's true. Which is which will keep because they'll lose some audience, but then they're going to gain some audience. So they lost our grandparents. That's right. When the first gay couple came in, but then they found a new audience. Makes right. sense. Interesting. Shooting horror movies, I've done a bunch of them. Okay. Is awesome. It actually is, because you know when you're doing it, it's cheesy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you said, the cheesier and the worse quality, usually the better it is. Yeah. And you know that. You're not like trying to get some acting award from it, or you're not trying to get, you know. Like Sharknado is not trying to be Jaws. Yeah. And when you're doing Sharknado, you just know I'm doing it. So it's freaking awesome, like having to like, I've had to have my full body and blood, kill people, freaking scream. There was one thing where I got to tear someone's arm off their socket. And I was literally, my character was eating their arm. And it was made from foam. And I'm chewing on, like, fake blood and foam. Dude, it's freaking, it's amazing. Now, which which movie was that? Was that? That one in particular was called Insanitarium. Oh, okay. Um, If you look it up, it had... um, had the dude from Prison Break. Had right, which you were also on. Yes, had Peter Stormare. Had Jesse Metcalf, Kylie Sanchez, Olivia Munn was in it. Ooh, I don't know if, oh. Olivia oh. Munn. You know who she is, right? Oh yeah. Yes. Oh. Oh yeah. Olivia Munn. We salute you, Shaw Wing. <laughs> I got to attack her in this hallway, and I. It was cool because I lifted her up 
off the ground, like 10 feet off the ground by her neck and almost killed her. <laughs> it was freaking awesome. So that I was insanitarium. I love that stuff, man. Like, okay, so here's the best thing about horror movies. I don't mean to cut you off, but I just wanted to no, interject no, right no. now. This is what we're talking about. Horror movies. It doesn't necessarily have to be good. It just yeah. has to be big. Yes. And the yes. bigger it is and more over the top, a bad horror movie is still a great time. Exactly. It's about the experience. Yeah. You're not going, no one ever is going and thinking, oh my gosh, the quality was bad. That's not winning awards. Oh yeah. It's it's like the, the more like, the better the experience, that's what it's all about. Like you want to be scared. You want to jump. Yeah. You want to be shocked. You want to see stupid, you want to see characters do stupid things. Yeah. And walk into that room when everyone knew that they shouldn't. Yeah. And everyone's like, don't go in there. Give me all of your horror tropes. I want them. This is like Family Feud. What are the top five horror tropes? Um, <laughs> that would be that would probably be number one. Yeah. You always try to guess who the killer is. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's him. It's got to be that guy. Like the like the weird dude. Right. And you think he's that's got to be him, but it ends up not being him. Yeah. They try to throw you. He's never. It's never who you think it is. No. Are these called slashers or are they called horror films? Like, what's the difference? Halloween in 1978 was made on a very, very tiny budget and turned to a massive profit, and it was independent. Yeah. So larger studios caught wind of that, and they said, okay, let's start producing big slasher movies. So the slasher craze of the early 80s was influenced primarily by Halloween, but you can trace its evolution, as you can with anything. You know, what's the first metal record? I'm sure you hear metal elements in the Kinks or the Beatles. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, it just takes one band to really tie it all together. So, um, you know, and then once 1980 hit, uh, it's safe to say that Friday the 13th is really the cash-in of the 80s. By the time Elm Street came out, that was 1984, it was already dying but needed someone to revitalize it. So instead of it being, here's a trope, instead of it being set in the woods, like most uh, slashers were, so you had uh, Friday the 13th. Damn, you got the woods one. I wasn't thinking that. I was like, ah, it's a good one. Uh, So you had Friday the 13th, Sleepaway Camp. Then it started to decline because direct-to-video started to pick up around 83. Because there was such a disappointment, they were missing the point. How do I monetize this to a, a mainstream audience? Well, you've actually stripped it of its genuine quality, and now it's no longer appealing. When Wes Craven put out Nightmare on Elm Street 1 in 1984, it revitalized slashers and said, it doesn't need to be in the woods. It doesn't need to be um, unknown. You know who Freddy is. You know the backstories, and he can live in the dream world. So there was this shift that took place. So instead of it being that primal in the woods slasher, it then shifted into wow, anything that's else. That's great. I learned something new today. And you're a historian of this. Oh, I don't I know. Never would even, I never thought that. Never crossed my mind, but that's such interesting information. And then it wasn't until mid-90s again when Wes revitalized it yet again with Scream. So Scream... Oh, the Scream? Scream did? Oh, okay. Yeah, so Scream is a meta slasher. So it's a slasher movie about slasher movies because yeah, they're obsessed true. about the culture of slasher movies. Yeah, that's true. But that, but that's the first time I actually I remember thinking that the horror slasher genre became a little bit more mainstream or pop. 
Yeah. Or it, it, it crossed over. Yeah. It became hip. It did. It wasn't like the, like you said, you could, it didn't matter. You could make a horror movie on a shoestring budget. Yes. And it could still be good. Yeah. If it caught on, you know, yeah. if it had the right tropes, had the right moments, yeah. it could catch on. That's yeah. a good thing. That's why horror movies used to be, dude, I remember I used to audition back, way back in the day for horror movies nonstop. People, there used to be a production company in LA that just, that's all they did. Like every month they were pumping out two or three, probably straight to video. Yeah. Probably things that most people have never seen, but they were pumping out horror movies like it was a regular TV show and they were films. Because sure. you yeah. could do it so cheap. Right, right. When you said, what's the difference between a slasher and a horror? Well, Halloween is considered a horror movie to many people, but it's considered the first slasher to a subculture within that, right? You know, like oh. us horror fans consider that to be like the true first slasher, but yet most people consider Halloween a horror movie. But then, as we all know, through shock and awe, you know, you, you think back, Kiss, Alice Cooper, and then <laughs> Speed Ahead, you got Marilyn Manson, um, and then anything else that kind of comes after that, that kind of like shakes the system. Um, you could even say Madonna. You could even say Lady Gaga. It only takes one to say, here's how we can do things a little differently, a little more provocatively. Yes. W- once they do that, then it's no longer shocking because everyone else is doing it after that. So what happens when that one thing hits and everyone's like, oh, now they copy. I mean, good or bad, that's what they're doing. So which one are you thinking of, which is the next one? I thought of one. Oh. Um, well, I'm really obsessed with the new wave of horror movies that are happening right now. I wanted to ask you about that, but I wanted to, before I went to that, yeah, what yeah, do you yeah. th- did you consider Blair Witch Project a horror movie? Most certainly. I think that the Blair Witch is the, the f- not the first, but the revitalization and the catalyst to push um, found footage horror back into mainstream. So yes. I consider Cannibal Holocaust to be the first found footage horror movie. Uh-huh. 40 years ago, Cannibal Holocaust was probably the most controversial movie made at that time. Well, what about Faces of Death? Oh, definitely. Definitely. But the director of Cannibal Holocaust was taken to court and put on trial for murder and... Because what? they were convinced that people actually died in the movie. No. And he was not let go until the actors turned up to say, oh hey, my. I we're was actually alive. an actor. Holy cow. And Dude, he, that's crazy. I never heard of that. He got them to sign uh, like a non-disclosure, like uh, you're not going to do any public appearances. If you go out in public, like change your appearance so that people So he wanted the shock and awe. He wanted it. He wanted it. He wanted people to believe it was real. So deep down inside, even though he's on trial, he's like, frick, I did exactly what I wanted. He did. I did my job. Man, like when when you are shock and awe and you get people talking about you negatively, you are now in the spectrum. Well, yeah, that's like Faces of Death. I remember I was a kid watching that stuff, and I it I still don't know to this day if that's real footage or not. It and that's part to, of it, right? Yeah, that still to this day still freaks me out. But if I it's talk about nostalgia, if I ever see clips of that, I get freaked out because it reminds me of being a kid and not being able to go to sleep at night after seeing something like that. Sure, and I'd be all up all night having nightmares. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that's but, why uh, that's when I asked you about Blair Witch because I that's yeah. I, that feels like another milestone for 
slasher horror genre, whatever you want to call it, where sure. things change. Because after that, then everybody started coming out with that type of paranormal film. activity. Yes. Yes. So, you know, if you didn't have Blair Witch in the mid-90s, I remember that ending, that final shot of Buddy yeah. standing in the corner, and you don't know why, and yeah. then the camera drops. I had chill- I just got chills just even talking about it right now. <laughs> it was so freaky because there was yeah. nothing. Yeah. But because I'm so immersed in horror and horror yeah. culture, you suspend your disbelief. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is a, this is a similar conversation that we have when we talk about wrestling. You yeah. suspend your disbelief because you you're like- You have to, you have to. I want to believe the Undertaker is a real Undertaker, not just a yeah. wrestler. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. So there's those moments where when you're watching a movie and you find yourself like, oh man, I can't believe they did that. You bought in. They're yeah. doing their job. And it yeah. could be a bad movie. It could be a good movie. It doesn't matter. It did its thing. It's learning itself along the way. It's defining itself. I didn't actually want to ask you about your experience on General Hospital. It's like, I feel bad for actors. They're in these meet and greets or they're doing these press interviews where they're forced to talk about and promo the movie that they're there for. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there, there's no humanity there. You're not You're a person. You're actually very right on that. That's You're a talking head. Yeah. And what we're doing, especially if we have a film coming out or, or a TV show, dude, we're doing five or six interviews a day. And it's the same freaking questions. It's literally, I made a joke about it. The other day I had some girl, a friend of mine on, she's on a Netflix show called Hentified. Yeah, yeah. And she came in and I said, dude, I just watched like your last 10 interviews. And I feel like, is there like a um, blah, blah, blah girl interview questionnaire they just pass around to each other? <laughs> it's because every question from all 10 people was the exact same. And I said, we're not doing that. We're going to go off the cusp. So yeah. I totally get where you're coming from, Matt, yeah. is like, Thanks for considering that, but I'll tell you, feel free to ask me about anything. I had sure. the same thing happen. I had a, an NFL, a pro football player on the other day. He plays for the Cleveland Browns. And at one point he was like, I was like, dude, you started looking a little bored, like blah, blah. He's like, yeah, you know, it's the same kind of old questions, blah, blah. But I wanted to know those things just because I wanted to hear him. Sure. It's the first like pro football player I had yeah, on. yeah. But then I took it off topic, and we started talking about Dungeons & Dragons because he's a big D&D player. And then all of a sudden, his face lit up. Yeah. He started smiling, and he just his whole demeanor changed because it got off topic to something that he probably rarely talks about. So you had the right idea. Thank you for being considerate. That just shows who you are as a person, and I appreciate that. You could have just been selfish and been like, no, I always want to hear about your acting and what shows yeah. you've been on. God, another, this is another bad one. This is full of gas. Woo. Um, this is the Shipwrecked Double IPA 7.4%. Well, I, th- I think I think you just shipwrecked with that burp. I think I just shipwrecked my pants. <laughs> is that a shitwreck or a shipwreck? Uh, oh, do we cuss on your show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who shit in my pants? <laughs> I never know. if, if you, Is your show clean or not? Cause oh, definitely not. Yeah, mine is, I always tell people right before we start, I say, no rules, say whatever you want, talk about whatever you want, go full on out. This is the last platform of freedom of speech left on the planet. There's no rules yet, but we know they will come. They're coming. They, one day, one day. Yeah. But not, not to not this yet. Halifax guy. <laughs> I don't have enough <laughs> listeners for that.
the music that you listen to in your teens is very, very important to you. That makes you who you are as a man. Like, and I, cause I saw, I think somewhere you guys talk about like heavy metals, your, your music or. That's my go-to. It's my go-to. Yeah, so me too. Yeah. Oh, me really? Too. I grew up heavy metal. Like I like all kinds of music, but yeah. when it comes down to it, yeah. heavy metal was my day in and day out go-to growing up as a teenager, as a kid. It's what defined That's all you. I, did. I, I talk about it all the time. I said, dude, I used to go to concerts. I had to be going to concerts. Yeah. Somewhere every week, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, so there was a lot of them. Thrash. Um, and if and I had the first place I went, I had to be in the mosh pit. Yeah, man, had to be in the pit. Yeah, that was just my. That's how it was. So that is, I have a huge nostalgic attachment to early metal concerts from my youth. Nice. You know, Pantera, vulgar display of power. That's it. And some people they don't understand that. They're like, how can you? And to you, that's like meditation. Yes, it is. You know, you know what I mean? Like some people listen to like ding, 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 <laughs> meditation music. But you put on some freaking Pantera and you're like, hold on. Hold on. I'm becoming one with myself. That's it. That's I'm it. Connecting. Meanwhile, it sounds like a chainsaw ripping through the speakers. Yeah, to them. Yeah. To us, we're like, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, awesome. well that's, the, that's the thing. That's the takeaway. So, like, maybe the aesthetic isn't there for people. And uh, I, I've, I, my whole life I've always heard, oh, I really love the music, but I can't stand the vocals. Well, what yeah. other vocals do you think is going to fit over that? <laughs> you could put Bieber yeah. on top of that? Yeah, exactly. I don't exactly. think so. You've got to appreciate where you belong in some sort of aesthetic or some sort of subculture. We all we all belong in some sort of subculture along the way. Like you and I now belong in this podcast culture that mm-hmm. now we're authors, we're creators. Yes. That that 10 years ago might seem like a weird concept to people. Like what you try and do, run a radio show in your basement? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am. <laughs> and exactly. And it's funny that you said subculture. Yeah. Because no more. It's become, ma- now it's mainstream, literally. And also because COVID. Yeah. Like literally just went boom. Oh. So all of a sudden, podcasting is at the top. Huge. I mean, I'm in Hollywood. Dude, no, none of us are working. Like Hollywood has been shut down for five, six months now. The only thing that's going is podcasts. Yeah. The, the emotional attachments that we all have to music. Um, and it doesn't matter the aesthetic of it. You could you could put on so the same era. Like say you were for us in Canada, we had much music. We didn't have MTV. It was the same thing though. So that was back in an era when they actually Wait, played what? music videos. You didn't have MTV. Well, it was it was our MTV. How does a person not grow up with MTV? But we had I am. But just... we had the Canadian MTV, and we were <laughs> proud of that. It wasn't like that explains it. That's why Canadians are such nice people. And Americans are so mean and rude. <laughs> this is a true statement because I a lot of my a lot of my coworkers, a lot of actors are Canadian. Yeah, they are. And I've always said this. I've always I, I, early in my early years, Canadians were so nice. Mm. I thought something was. I thought nah, they're being fake. <laughs> People aren't like this. <laughs> and then as the years went on, I generally realized, oh my gosh, you guys actually are genuinely yeah. nice people. Yeah. You guys really care about other people. You really want to engage with them. Yeah. You want to get to know them. You don't have an agenda. You don't want to get anything out of them. Like, totally different culture than Americans. Americans, the first thing they think when they meet you is, hmm, what can I get out of this this guy? Right. What can he do for me? Right, right. How can and, this person and benefit I'm not me? like that, but, yeah. man, that's a very... 
So it's a compliment. Canadians no, are such nice to the point, again, where you don't believe it at first because it's so nice. It's it's a good stereotype to have. Um, yeah. That being said, there is a comedian that has said, for every American that has said Canadians are so nice, listen to what Canadians say about Americans when they're not listening. <laughs> I haven't heard it because I'm not listening. That's... So we'll just leave it at that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Being a part of a, a of that metal brotherhood or that unity, it's a it's a universal language as as music is because it speaks to everybody. Uh, doesn't matter what language you speak. Somehow, music just finds its way to you as a commonality between all people. And when you go to a Pantera show and you're wearing a I don't know, dying fetus or cannibal corpse shirt, something even more obscure. It shows that you're even a part of a more subcategorized subculture within the subculture yeah. that you identify with. You don't know the person, but you see that shirt and you go, man, sick band. And now you're best friends. <laughs> it's like, this is this doesn't exist in normal society. That's so true. And and it's, it's incredible. So it's incredible. It, it's, it's such an amazing way to bond with people is being a part of something that... Not only acknowledges that you might be considered different by by the regular individuals out there, mainstream audiences, let's say, and uh, they're like, "Man, I don't get that type of music." Well, it's more than music; it's an identity. It's a both yes. sense of belonging. It's an extension of family. It's an extension of enjoyment. But you're all there for the same reason. You don't belong, but you're all together. <laughs> Yeah. Kind of sounds like what it's like to live during COVID. Really? Well, <laughs> well, yeah, we don't belong, but we're all together. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good, that's a great analogy. That's, that's actually very deep. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, just spark up some craft beer and just let the bullshit You're fly. You're using other parts of your brain that you don't usually tap into. Yes. This is, this is incredible. <laughs> um, but that's awesome, dude. I love yeah, that you said that. That's so true. Cause then you made me think of something else about, yeah, like going, like you go to these concerts, or you're walking down the street and you see somebody. That it's, you could just tell it's a different kind of subculture, like freaking heavy metal, and it's a, just a way of dress. It's a way of a lot of times hair, jewelry, body ink, clothing. It's a certain style, and you just look at somebody and just you do just one of the, one of these the little head, the chin thing. You like you got all the, your brother, like you said, it's a brotherhood. This is a weird year for everybody. So um, I do know that you do a lot of inspirational discussions. And that is, that's a big focus of yours. And that is something that I really do take to heart. I don't provide inspirational discussions by any means. But in some way, I hope that the listeners of Nostaljunk are at least entertained and distracted just enough from 2020 taking over their lives that they can say, that was a nice break. I, I would think so, because you've got some profound things to say. Do I say them on my show, though? <laughs> what? Wait, who's sure we are? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, of course. Yeah. Like anything, I think that's also why, you know, podcasts have started blowing up. Not only do people have more time, but it's like TV, people are running out of TV shows and podcasts. You can just lay in your in bed. You can lay on the couch. Yep. Whatever. Put some headphones in and listen to people talk like us about Everything. Whatever. And it takes you away. Yeah. All of a sudden, we're talking about Pantera, and they're like, oh, I'm a Pantera fan. Yeah. 
Yeah. And all of a sudden they forgot about 2020. Yep. That's that's sure. the hope you at know. least. Yeah, exactly. Whoa. Woo! There's another shipwreck, everybody. Just yeah. if you guys are wondering what that sound boy. was. Another Woo. shipwreck. Yeah, there it is. Wait, so what what what'd you eat for dinner? Just so so for all of us not in the room there, what's coming? What's the smell that's coming out? Smell of vision <laughs> is strong. It's ripe. <laughs> We've got uh, we had some chicken tacos tonight. Woo! Yeah, hey yo. Yeah, yeah, we'll be barking at the moon later. I'm sure the wife's glad she's not in that room with you right now. No, definitely not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there will be no white sheets tonight. <laughs> so me like you're sleeping on the couch tonight, and that's okay because because we just got a, we just got the new unit installed. So I've, I'm pre-planning my fights to get kicked to the couch just so I can put the AC on. <laughs> that's awesome. I find the indie podcast community is very supportive of each other as a whole. Oh, certainly. The majority, yeah, there's always the outliers and the people that are in it for themselves. We all are equals trying to independently fund our own shows and our endeavors here. And we and there's a big divide between us and the big boys that are out there producing the gigantic shows. And these guys have millions and millions of dollars. We have nothing. Yeah. And there's no in between. So that's why we support each other. And it's great. Yeah, we have our time, and that's it. And we're and 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 you know what? Something something that I learned when I was younger in life: no matter what you're involved in, time is one of the most precious things anyone has. And if someone has the time to give you their time, that should be a compliment. I agree, hundred percent. You can That's I don't even want to talk because that's the way to end this show. Take that away with you guys after you hear this. That's how you should walk out into this world. Respect everybody's time and appreciate it. Hey, we do. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. All right, Matt McGraw. We'll talk later. We'll do it next time. Keep fit and have fun. Yes, sir. Hello yet again, and welcome to the Insanely Dangerous Retro Pod Show. Size doesn't matter. It's what you do with it yes well i mean I, i'm off now because i've got to go and scream absolutely garbage Paulie sure there's somebody i don't really give a fuck about he did kick me off the arse <laughs> nice nice argument there oh shut up shut up oh there's a finger i i almost urinated tune in next week because i just can't stop loving you guys it's the batman jeans no more andy hinchcliffe <laughs> don't know. Join Jackie and Danielle, two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees who are re-watching some of their favorite movies from the late 90s and early 2000s on the No More Late Fees podcast. And remember, be kind and rewind.